Our scripture today comes from Genesis 21, 1 through 8. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And, Isaac, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight years old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. I want you to take a moment and think about something that you've been waiting for God to do for you personally or for a loved one. It could be you're waiting on God to heal a relationship. It could be that you're waiting on God to give you a relationship. It could be waiting on God for healing of de or deliverance from a stronghold. It could be waiting on God to capture the hearts of a wayward child. It could be waiting on God for a new job or to get into a dream school. So just take a moment, close your eyes. What is it that you are waiting on God to do for you or a loved one? Hopefully everyone in this room has something in mind. And now, think about you're leaving church, you're going home, and God visits you this afternoon. And he tells you that he is going to give you exactly what you just thought about. What you're waiting on him to do for you or a loved one. How would you respond to him if he came to you this afternoon and he said, I'm going to give you this relationship. I'm going to provide this job for you. I'm going to do this for you. What would your response be to him and his promise to you? Now, I know for me, as I thought about this, I want to say that if he visited me this afternoon after freaking out a little bit and making sure it was actually God, I, I would want to be thankful and grateful and excited. But as I think back to his many promises to me over the last 55 years, oftentimes my response to him has not been one of gratitude or thanks. It's been one of doubt, cynicism, skepticism, and certainly not trust. Well, the good news this morning is that our response to his promises, do not determine the outcome of his faithfulness. God often acts regardless of our response to him and his promises. Faith is a process. It's a relationship with the living 
God. Now, we see this happening as we continue in our series, The Greatest Story, this morning. In Genesis 1 through 11, God created the world. Man rebelled. God demonstrated grace. Man rebelled. God brought a flood. Noah and the ark. Noah rebelled. God redeems. Man rebels. And yet, God continues, in spite of our responses to him and his promises, he continues his renewal and restoration process. And then in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham to be the father of a new nation. A nation that will be a blessing to all other nations. And Abraham, he responds initially with faith and belief. But Sarah, not so much. Sarah was barren. She was old. And she didn't respond quite as well. Faith is a journey. And this morning, we're going to look at Sarah. And we're going to look at the movement in her life from a bitter laughter to a joyous laughter. And those are the two things that we're going to focus on this morning. Bitter laughter and joyous laughter. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Lord, you know the hearts of every man, woman, and child here. You knew what they were going to tell you that they were waiting on you for before they even thought about it. And so this morning, Lord, would you come? Would you meet us? Would you teach us from your word? Holy Spirit, would you convict our hearts? Would you encourage us? Would you transform us? And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing I want us to consider is bitter laughter. In chapter 21, verse 1, we see that the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And then in verse 21 to b at the time of which God had spoken to Abraham, God had come. Now here, the author is referring his audience back to chapter 18 and a prior conversation that went on between God and Abraham and Sarah. Now after calling Abraham in Genesis 12, after giving him the covenant in Genesis 15, in chapter 18, we hear whispers of the garden again before the fall as the Lord of the universe comes down and spends time with his beloved Abraham and Sarah. In chapter 18, it says, The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Abraham and Sarah, they're in the tent, and it's a hot day, and three visitors come, and and these visitors aren't just any visitors, these visitors are the Lord himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Abraham, he knows that he's in the presence of God, and he bows down, and he worships them. And as they fellowship, 
the Lord and Abraham, the Lord asked about Sarah. And Abraham tells him that she's inside the tent. And the Lord, knowing that Sarah can hear him, lovingly reminds Abraham and Sarah of this promise. He says in chapter 18, verse 10, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah, listening to this conversation between Abraham and the Lord and the promise that the Lord brings, she says this, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Our hearts seem to be bent towards the terrible lie. Like Sarah, we struggle to believe in God's goodness. We struggle to believe that he wants what's best for us. We struggle to believe that he's going to fulfill his promise. We, like Sarah, often respond with a bitter laugh. But God... God perseveres with Sarah, and he perseveres with us. God is patient with us. He is gracious toward us. We see that in his response to Sarah. He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, I'm done with you. I'm going to choose someone else. But instead, he reassures her of his love and his power. He says to Abraham, why? Why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah shall have a son. God's grace is sufficient for any and all of our responses to his promises. The Lord perseveres in the midst of our unfaithfulness and works often in spite of us. And therefore, I wonder this morning, are you willing to be honest and real with the Lord about the thing that you're waiting on Him for? Are you willing, in the face of His promise, to provide Everything that we need for life and godliness, whatever it is he will provide, are you willing in the midst of that promise to be real and honest if that honesty means laughing in his face? If it means saying, I don't believe you. If it means being full of doubt, are you willing to bring that into your relationship, to trust him enough, to trust in his grace enough To be real with him. Psalm 51 tells us that the Lord, he doesn't delight in sacrifices. He delights in a broken and a contrite heart. He delights in whatever real and honest response to him. Because when we show up and we tell him how we really feel and what we really think, we are ultimately saying to him that we love him, that we respect him that we trust him and we trust the relationship enough to be honest with him. And because of this, we can bring whatever it is that we're thinking and feeling to him. 
He delights in your honesty. He, believe it or not, delighted in the fact that Sarah laughed. And that gave him the opportunity to speak reassurance and grace to him. Because faith is a process. Trusting in his promises is a process. And we see that process continuing in the life of Sarah. Moving from bitter laughter to joyous laughter. Look in chapter 21, verses 1 through 2. The author tells us that the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised in chapter 18. She bore Abraham a son at the time of which God had spoken to him. God promised and God fulfilled. In Abraham, he named their son Isaac. And in verse 4, in accordance with the covenant God had established with Abraham, he applied a sign of that covenant circumcision on Isaac when he was eight days old. Circumcision is a vaccine to the terrible lie. It is the opposite of making a name for yourself. It is a stripping away of our heart, of our outer flesh. Abraham, he obeys God, and he gives this applicable sign, a sign that Isaac is now a member of the covenant family. And that one day the hope is that Isaac will profess faith in the Messiah to come. Now in verses 6 and 7, we see Sarah's response. After years and years of being unable to have children, having heard God's promise, laughed at the thought of the Lord providing a child for her, and having tried to take matters in her own hands by having Abraham lay with Hagar, this time... Sarah laughs with joy. She said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Her bitterness has been swallowed up by joy as she holds the promise The promised child in her arms. And as you read that others will laugh, that means others in the village are going to be happy for her. And you can just picture Sarah taking young Isaac and running all over the village and telling the villagers what God has done for her and for Abraham. The Jesus Storybook says it this way, Sure enough, nine months later, just as God had promised, Sarah gave birth to a baby boy. They named him Isaac, which means son of laughter. And Sarah laughed. But this time it was a glorious, happy laugh. Her dream had come true. God would do as he had promised. He would always look after Abraham's family, his special people. And so we see the process of faith. Trusting in God's promises. Initially, she responds with bitterness. But as she continues to be honest and real and grow in her relationship with him, and then the promised child comes, she responds with this joyous laughter. Now, let me pause for a moment. For those of you today that might be thinking, of course, her bitterness turned to joy because God gave her a son. 
She actually could hold this baby in her arms. It's easy, isn't it? When God actually delivers the thing that you're hoping for, the thing that you want, the thing that He's promised, of course you're going to respond with joy. And while that is true for some of us, I say for myself, the fulfillment of God's promises, they don't always bring joy. When I was on staff with InterVarsity, I had to raise all of my financial support uh, for staff. And that was certainly a, a time of, of great trust. And I remember at, at, I guess I was 18, I was 21 actually, 21, um, just praying, saying, God, please, you know, I've got to raise $21,000 in three months. And that was a lot of money 30 years ago. And so I was just saying, please. And I remember him whispering in my ear. I, I didn't actually hear a voice, but I felt like he was speaking to me saying, Todd, I've got this. I'm going to provide for you. And so I began to trust him, walk, going to appointments. And what did I see happen? Money started rolling in. And then I receive in, in an envelope with an anonymous gift in it of thousands of dollars. And my heart is overjoyed at God's promises and how He's fulfilled them to me. Now, I kid you not, from my mailbox, when I pull that out and I have joy, by the time I walked back to my apartment door, my heart was full of anxiety. And I began to think, my joy quickly got swallowed up, but I began to think, okay, that was an anonymous gift, that was $2,000, how do I know I'm going to get it next year, I'm going to have to raise that money, will they give it again, and just on and on and on. And so, ultimately, my joy was swallowed up, even though God had given me exactly what He had promised. It is not easy to respond to God with joyous laughter when He actually comes through for us. So often we, we might respond initially with some joy, but then quickly go to worry and anxiety. But what we see with Sarah is because she had developed this intimate relationship with Him, something that we're emphasizing in 2022 for us as a church, as she developed that intimacy with him and those, those conversations over all those times, even those nine months of conversations, when Isaac finally came, her heart was literally full of joy. And for the rest of her life, she lived with joy. She didn't worry about Isaac. She didn't worry about him professing faith in the Messiah. She trusted in him. She didn't worry about him when he went down to the, to the lake and was swimming. She didn't worry about him when she offered him for babysitting to another couple and said, hey, we're going on a trip, Abraham and I. We'll be back in a couple weeks. She trusted God. And her heart was full of joy because God had promised and God had fulfilled. And I love, in verse 8, we see this joy overflowing in Abraham and Sarah. It says, and the child grew and was weaned. And what does Abraham and Sarah do? They made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. 
Why did they do that? Why did they make a great feast? They wanted to invite others into their joy. They wanted to share with others that God had fulfilled His promise. They wanted to testify to the hand of the Lord in their lives. And so what did they do? They threw a huge party. And they invited the whole town to come and celebrate. We sing a song here. It's it's on my top ten list of my favorite songs. And it's called, We Will Feast. In this song, Sarah McCracken, she reminds us that the feast that Abraham and Sarah threw is a feast that one day we're going to experience when Christ comes again. She reminds us that Jesus, what is his first miracle? It's at a wedding feast. The feast that the prodigal God throws for his two sons. The feast that Levi throws when he became a Christian. All these feasts are a taste of the shalom that God is bringing here. In our lives, in the city, and in the world. And one day we read in Revelation that Jesus, he will come again. He'll wipe away every tear and all sin. He's going to right every wrong and renew and restore all things. And what are we going to do? He's going to throw a huge feast. We shall feast in the house of Zion. One of my favorite movies is Antoine Fisher. And it's a movie about this young man who meets Denzel Washington, who happens to be a counselor. And he kind of goes back and he begins to kind of tell his story. And this young man, he grew up as an orphan. And he was in foster homes, different homes. And there was one particular home that he was in and he was beat. He was physically abused. He was sexually abused. And the way he coped was he would kind of go into this kind of disassociated fantasy world and he would think of a feast. His whole family gathered there. Everybody that loved him, he would just picture that sitting at this long table, everybody eating, everybody laughing, everybody celebrating. Well, as he continues to go through counseling, he finds his biological mom through his aunt and uncle that he hasn't met yet in Philadelphia. And so he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to visit my aunt and uncle that I don't know, and I'm going to visit my biological mom. So he goes, he meets his uncle and aunt, they hug him, and then his uncle takes him to visit his mom. He goes and sees his mom. She's still struggling with drugs. He tells her that he made it, that, he, you know, he, that she should be proud of him. And then he leaves. And when he goes back to the house, the aunt and uncle have called all his relatives. And they've all come. And he walks in. And what is there but a huge feast. And his grandmother is sitting at the edge of the table. And she holds out her hands. And he grabs her hands. And she looks at him and she says, you're my son. We love you. You have a home now. You belong here. That is the feast that we're all going to experience one day. Yet it won't be our grandmother holding our hands. We'll be holding their hands, but ultimately we'll be holding Jesus' hands. And he'll be saying to you that he loves you. He's proud of you. And that the wait, the wait was well worth it. And he appreciated your honesty through the wait. 
your cynicism, your bitter laughter that, that hopefully ultimately turn to joyful laughter. That faith is a relationship and faith is a, a process. Sarah McCracken ends her song, We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say together, we will feast and weep no more. We will weep no more. So this morning, what are you waiting on God to provide for you or a loved one? What was it that you thought of at the beginning of this sermon? Hear me. God promises to provide for all of our needs. He will meet you. It might not look exactly like you think it's going to look, but he promises. And so hear him whispering in your ear this morning. I will provide for you. And let your heart be stirred away from bitterness, away from cynicism, away from doubt, to faith and trust, to joyous laughter. We can do this because Jesus, he waited on his heavenly father for three days to raise him up. And God was faithful to his promise. We can trust God to provide for us. We can wait with confidence. And no matter how you respond, know that God is gracious and merciful and moves toward you. He loves you. Faith is a relationship. And we're all on that journey. From bitterness to joy. And then sometimes we go back to bitterness and then joy. Bitterness and joy. But wherever you are, you have a God who loves you, who desires to meet with you, and that one day will come back. And all his promises will be fulfilled forever and ever and ever, and we will feast in the house of Zion. Amen.